Welcome back to the Only Pans podcast with me, Rudy Clifton, and I am joined by the man, the big guest I've been talking about, Anthony Raffo. Hello. I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, It's long awaited. It's very long awaited. We've uh, had some technical difficulties in in the meantime, but we're here. We're doing it. And have you prepared yourself in any way for this? Um, I've had a look through a few questions, but I think it's best to uh, to answer them off the cuff and from the heart, really, instead of just exactly. trying to read off a script, you know? You know. So we'll kick it off. What is your favourite food? Favourite food? I mean, there's all sorts of answers for this, but for me as a chef, it's got to be British produce yeah. cooked well. is definitely mm. what, what excites me, you know? Um, I also think that with British food is uh, there's something a lot like warming with it as well and comforting. Yeah. So like fish and chips and pies and beans and stuff like that. It's all 100%. Like, it's like a warm hug on a plate. So that's that's my kind of thing. But not so much why uh, why cook, but I definitely yeah. like British food or British produce cooked well. Hundred percent. It's the way to go. It's the way forward. We'll always have it. Exactly. 100%. Well, good answer. You seem like you've done this before. <laughs> done a few interviews in my time, yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favourite place to get food, apart from your own restaurant? We're not allowed to say that. Well, like, favourite place to get food, as in, like, me just going shopping. Yeah. I always try to go local. I mean, I've got a great local bakery just on the road called Bread by Bike. Oh, Massive my shout out to them. I've Their seen pictures. It's, it's it's good man i've seen pictures so, and i'm jealous local and, yeah local and uh just small businesses is the best places for me to get food lovely markets and sort of things like that yeah i mean markets there's not so much going on at the moment but there's yeah. little ones still hanging on and it's always nice to go down there and actually see your food and talk to the person who's like produced yeah. that amount of chocolate or bread or whatever you're buying that day mm. instead of just going to a massive supermarket, getting COVID and staying at home for another couple of weeks in bed, you know? Yeah, it's shit, it's shit. I've, uh, I went to Borough Market just before the third lockdown and it's that's probably, I'd say that's my favourite place in London. Anyway. I spent hours in there, hours and hours, just walking. I did. don't even really need to buy anything, just walk around. It's a good yeah, day Yeah, exactly. Out. Got all the food stores and everything. And just mm-hmm. talking to the people, I was talking to, it's the first time I really stopped and spoke to someone that was selling all their fresh produce that they'd literally made themselves. So it's um it's quite a good experience. I recommend it to anyone who hasn't done it before. Definitely check out Borough Market. Uh, I've put loads of, loads of stuff all over my Instagram about it. So 100%, check it out. Now, what is your favourite country to travel? Have you travelled much? Um, not really, to be honest. I don't want to sound too boring and sad, but when yeah. I was uh, when I was younger, I uh, didn't really travel a lot with the parents. They yeah. were quite a big family, so we didn't really go abroad. It was always mm. going down to the seaside and stuff like that. Yeah. If so, if anything out of that, staying staying in the UK, I love the New Forest. Yeah. And that wasn't too far from where I was uh, from Fareham, where I grew up. Mm. Absolutely loved it. New Forest is beautiful i mean i love foraging and everything like that so that's yeah. a prime place for it, especially mushrooms stuff like that really yeah. good we'll come on to foraging because i 
want to be educated. I want to get into it more, um, more so than I had been before. Um, yeah, I do agree with Sten. You can still travel around the UK. I don't, people are so obsessed on going abroad, but mm-hmm. one of my favorite places in the world is Cornwall. I think yeah, it's like you're, it's pretty much like you're being abroad, like surfing, the food down there, obviously fresh seaside, best seafood you can get really. Yeah, right. But yeah, hundred percent agree with you on that one. Uh, so we've I've, we've spoke about this before, but your ventures in lockdown. What did you get up to? Well, I started doing uh, boxes and stuff at the moment for Anglo, so uh, for home delivery, or you can mm. come and click and collect. Um, been, been doing a lot of that and a lot of research with that. Um, been making a lot of stuff at home, like fermentation, so yeah. fermenting, um, not really in season at the moment, but white asparagus and yeah. making mead and stuff like that, trying to mm. make some bread. Just trying to keep myself busy, to be honest. Yeah, 100%. And uh, what I was trying to get out of that was tapiche. Oh, you love the a best, tapiche, The best yeah. thing ever. Everyone, I th- I've, I must have plastered this on my Instagram somewhere, but if you have never heard of tapiche, go and try it out or even make it at home. It's not too hard to make it at home. All you need is a kilner jar. Invest. Everyone invest in a kilner jar. Anthony will go on about that. If you're following on Instagram, what's your, uh, what's your app? So it's at Anthony Raffo, nice and easy. At, oh, there we go. Keep it simple. That's it. Anthony Raffo, he's got loads of stuff. Go follow him on Instagram. He's uh, food porn, I think they call it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> right, what have we got next? You're right, you're right with the Altapiche, though. It's like a really yeah. easy first step for someone like wanting or interested in getting into fermentation. Mm. to do this because it's it's literally just putting sugar on pineapple in a glass container and putting it on the side and forgetting about it for a couple of weeks sweet and then opening it up and you have i mean i like to add mine to some beer like a corona or a soul or whatever and enjoy Mm. on a nice hot sunny day definitely one for summer 2021 everyone needs to get into it yeah right get it trending growing up and even now an inspiration to you cooking wise and just in general inspiration probably growing up was with my dad his yeah. uh, work ethic was phenomenal and i see that now not so much when i was little but i see it a lot now like he he supported the family just here on a single income it was just him on his own bringing in all the bread and my work ethic is definitely from him so he inspired me a lot to push hard and work hard to get for what you want mm. um Growing up with food, my mum was a big inspiration where she was always doing home-cooked food, always something different every time. It's not just the same thing every day, like fish fingers and all this business. She was cooking like proper food, which was nice, proper pies, homemade Mm. pies and stuff like that. Um, Professionally, it's got to be nowadays more Nordic chefs. I, I love Nordic chefs and their their look and attitude to food, especially with like sustainability, with the fermentation, yeah. and also the uh, foraging side. Mm. I like uh, their ethos is like we we cook and we make what grows on our land yeah. instead of having to like get an avocado shipped over from God knows where and the carbon mm. footprint and all that business. Yeah. So yeah, definitely Nordic chefs have influenced me a lot lately for sure. Yeah, that is uh, that's sort of a, a sort of theme that you're going off at Anglo, isn't it? Nordic themed. 
yeah, it's definitely inspired by Nordic, but like I say, it's just because what they do is they do everything from their from their land. So I like yeah. to promote everything that's British, mm. everything's a seasonal. Don't go out trying to buy stuff like an asparagus in the middle of winter kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I love that the whole the whole ethos is just cook what's around you, what's in mm. season, what's good at the time. Because even if you do fuck it up a bit, I mean, it's not going to be that bad if you've got a good produce to start off with, you know? Yeah, I hear that. I think that's the thing as well with, because um, in, in the country and in, in the world, really, a dying uh, sort of, well, what's the word? Industry is butcheries and things like that. Yeah, right. See as many. And I've been trying to push it out as much as I can that people need to stop. Or when you can, obviously, it's not, you can't do it all the time. But start buying from your butchery, buying locally, because it does um, it does make a big difference compared to just buying some shit watery shit from Tesco or anything like that. That's it. Some chicken or something's just been pumped full of water, so it's heavier. Exactly. And yeah. you have to you're just paying for the weight of the water. Mm. By the time you put it in a pan, it's boiled in a pan. It's just yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't. And. Um, it's definitely something I've got into the past, I'd say, two years. I've def- I've literally got a butcher down the road from me, Hurrens, and he's top quality. He's a nice guy in there as well, gives some good deals. So there's a bit of promo for Hurrens as well. <laughs> I'm not sure if the lad's watching. I think he, I think his son watches, actually, or listens in. So, Jamie. Trade, yeah? yeah, exactly. Try and get some, another sponsor. Uh, we'll come on to that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah 100% agree with you on everything you've said just then oh so you've touched on it already but anglo and anglo's anglo going forward so you mentioned you've got the boxes but what can you find inside the boxes so yeah i'll just say a little bit about anglo so people know what kind of what it's about and what we're doing there so it's Mm. um, a little restaurant in london where uh, we're doing everything which is british sustainable um, it's owned by a guy called Mark Jarvis. You need to check him out. He's a really good chef. Been around the scene for a while, done stuff with like uh, Raymond Blanc and all this business, worked in texture. And, uh, so he's really earned his stripes and he's given me the, the opportunity to work at Anglo and uh, yeah, just to try and keep everything British and keep the, keep the message simple really is that you don't have to wear a fucking bow tie and have chic uh, like uh, tablecloths and silverware to have a really fucking good meal you know and you don't have to pay you don't have to sit down and pay 500 600 pounds per person for for a meal mm. and i know a lot of people use like relaxed fine dining yeah i really believe that we are proper relaxed fine dining yeah Anyone i mean can come in and enjoy good food but be relaxed in it yeah i mean i've experienced it firsthand i spent four weeks in there with uh with through the college really really probably i mean i went on about in the first um the first episode about how shit work experience usually is but i think that's the first one that i've actually enjoyed myself and i actually didn't want to go it was i didn't want to leave it was um an emotional goodbye (laughs) Uh, it was good man i enjoyed i enjoyed you having that i liked the way that you were there was no bullshit. It was exactly like, okay, what do you, why do you want to be a chef? And it's like, well, it's not so much the chef, the chefing that's interesting me. Mm. You know, you were, you were forward outright. You knew, you knew what you wanted. So we yeah. just got on with it. And so I find a lot of uh, some of the students that we get, 
they're not straightforward and they're kind of saying or telling me what they want me to hear instead of yeah. what I read. And with you, you actually spoke from the heart and said what what you want to do and what made it a lot easier. It was good times yeah. with you and enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm a I'm a preacher. Speak my mind. <laughs> oh, uh, just on the uh, topic of Mark, it's uh, Chef underscore Mark underscore Jarvis on Instagram. Go check him out. He's got um, the famous Anglo sourdough all over the Instagram, and we're going to come on to that because I've been I've been raving about it for way too long. Everyone and everyone needs to understand the levels of deliciousness from this angelo sourdough and i've made it as well good stuff might drop the recipe right moving on moving on um you touched on it earlier foraging so i've i i watch youtube videos about it and i've seen you doing it on your instagram and i've I've read up about it a little bit, but what is uh, what is foraging in a nutshell and where do you like doing it and things like that? Well, in a nutshell, foraging is just picking wild free food. Mm. I mean, you can, instead of buying, say, a punnet of raspberries or strawberries, you can go out and find it. Right. Obviously, you can't just go and walk into a farmer's field and just grab all these tomatoes or whatever. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just basically getting free food. But it's what? It's nothing new. A lot of it's a new trend, but yeah. it's people have been doing it for well since the dawn of time, kind of thing, you know. So mm. it's nothing new. But um, I really enjoy it. A it gets me outside. It's nice and relaxing, and yeah. also it's kind of kind of a bit nerdy but it's like um kind of like train sporting kind of thing where if you you've read about something and you've wanted to find it for ages and you've been looking and looking you can't find it and then you find it it's uh it's 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 good fun yeah find something one of the best feelings as well if Mm. you've people it's something about cooking um and cooking with like natural things that you've found it's definitely you get a better feeling about it just shop bought shit well, yeah, it's like if you have a, a blackberry, if you eat one from a punnet that's been sat well, sat in a punnet from the supermarket for a couple of weeks or whatever, mm. yeah, it tastes okay, but it's not amazing. But if you take uh, a bramble that's just been sat in the sun all morning and you, ta- you taste it, it tastes completely different. So much better. Completely I think that's different. sort of the thing that... Um, something about... Because uh, obviously... Hunting is quite a controversial subject. People def there's definitely two minds about it, but something about venison hunting and deer shooting, I think it is it's definitely looked over with more of the 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 bad side of hunting, I think, because I love venison and we used it um at Anglo. Mm-hmm. That was one of my one of my favorite jobs. In the venison. But it's something that one of my lecturers at college, Jose Suto, he he preaches about it quite a lot. Um, he loves his deer hunting, and when you learn about it's uh, the sustainability and the source of where you actually get things from, it does just. I think it must be something in your head, but it makes it taste a lot nicer knowing where it's come from and actually understanding the life that it had before it was shot. 
Well, there's also studies that have been shown that, that even the taste of meat can be completely different if mm. it was wild and it was just milling around doing its own thing and then bam, it was shot. Yeah. Its muscles are relaxed, it's all good. But if it's been stuck in a cage, mm. fed shit, scared, doesn't know where it is, it doesn't taste the same. Yeah. Because uh, there's um, there's a chemical, I can't remember the name, being all geeky, but there's a chemical mm. that gets released into the muscles. Yeah. When the uh, animal is scared or frightened, and obviously they are just before they get a rod stuck through the head or something. Yeah. So it definitely tastes, it definitely changes the taste of meat as well. So if you're going out and you're getting your meat, try and get it responsibly sourced for sure. Exactly. Same thing with uh, when you got, when you transition from eating just chicken from like a supermarket to try actually try and properly naturally sourced free range from the butchers it is it's quite mind-blowing really because it's so it's so overlooked and I, i'm not going to stop preaching about it until more people do it because um but then at the same time i think butchery and things like that will naturally start going out with the rise of veganism and things like that because they say like eventually everyone's going to be vegan. I don't, I don't believe it too much, but they I mean, don't really they're know. Gonna, they're going to, we could talk fucking hours about that, but yeah, exactly, it will. The price of meat will definitely go up and up, and it will be more mm. of a, a rarity than just being able to go out and buy some sausages kind of thing. Yeah, definitely, it's definitely going to happen, but it's not going to happen for a long, long time yet. Yeah, I mean. Things like that, things about things going extinct. I've got um I've got a lot of thoughts about that. But I actually no, I'm just gonna take it away from food for a second. What what do you think about crocodiles and how they've been around for so long? This is so random, but it's been on my mind for weeks upon weeks. Why are crocodiles still here but they outlasted dinosaurs? Why do you think? Well, it's the same, isn't it? If it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, but then at the same time they look like a dinosaur and i i'm literally it's been playing on my mind now i've been really really um stuck up about it because they look if you look at dinosaurs in the past they Mm -hmm. all look sort of similar like they all have a sort of similar face and it looks a little bit like a crocodile but like deformed in so many different ways but then if you compare animals today they all look so different and it doesn't sit right with me (laughs) (laughs) fair enough well i've heard that um dinosaurs or birds now are direct descendants from dinosaurs really yeah so all birds have some sort of link back to dinosaurs so i suppose it was that that link that's been the strongest link that survived Mm. That is, I didn't know that actually. So a pigeon is technically a dinosaur. And I'm going to... I'm <laughs> it's gonna... in there somewhere. You've got to look real hard. But, it's in there <laughs> but And also the fact that they all... They're, obviously there's loads of different theories, but we uh, what evolved from monkeys like way down the line. What I don't understand, this might be me like being really stupid, but if there was a, a, a species of monkey that was evolving... And you could sort you you'll be able to tell that among uh, like a, a form a life forms evolving. Why wouldn't the rest just copy it? It's a good question. <laughs> it's not really a question. It's not, I think it's a question for everyone, really, or some sort of scientist <laughs> that's out there. 
I suppose they just think whatever they're doing is correct and they're just blind in the way of thinking, right, we'll just carry on down this road because it's working for us. Yeah, uh, I think humans are doing that as well, actually. Exactly, yeah. American people. American people aren't realising what we're doing over here. So they're not catching on. Apart from the one person, the one American um, that I've got a lot of time for is Elon Musk. And I could, I watch so much stuff about him. I think he's the most interesting person in the world. Have you ever have you ever looked into him? Because if you haven't, you should. Um, I wouldn't say I've looked into him. I mean, I know what he's about and what he's doing and everything, but I haven't fully looked into him. I just think of him as another rich capitalist, really. Mm. They don't, don't really interest me because I feel I feel people like that is that they were they had a dream, they worked on it, and they got there, which is brilliant. Mm. But somewhere along the line of getting to that dream, they kind of got corrupted, and then their their thoughts turn to other things, usually political. Mm. And for me, those sort of people don't really interest me. Although they probably they probably have a bigger insight and in, or a bigger uh, contribution in my life than I'd like to think. But mm. I try not to think about them. I think uh, I think he will eventually because one of the things that he's been doing he wants um, he wants everyone to live on Mars, doesn't he? So um, eventually, if that does happen, which and another thing, I was looking it up. Um, he, his kids, and people who work at SpaceX, their kids, they get sent to a school called the SpaceX School, and they pretty much get brainwashed their whole life into becoming the next people to run SpaceX. So I think I don't think they're going to stop until we actually live on Mars, which is quite interesting. But it won't be in our lifetime, no chance. Nah, a long, long time. We still have to try and solve the problems that we've fucked up down here. Coronavirus. That's the uh, that's the first thing we're tackling. Right now, let's uh, let's get back onto food. So you could be anywhere in the world. What's your dream meal? Where's it from? Go through it course by course. Oh, I mean, anywhere, anywhere in Scandinavia has to be. I mean, there's some restaurants in Scandinavia that I'm definitely, when all this shit blows over, I'm definitely going to go and visit. One of them is uh, Noma. It's quite well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they do all sorts of. They don't just have one menu and then you you go through it and then that's it. You go home. Mm. And then that's what they have all year round kind of thing. They have seasons. Yeah. They do like a game season, um, a fish or seafood season, mm. and they do a vegetarian season. I'd love to go and try all of theirs, but all their seasons. But there's another place as well called Maimo, which yeah. is got two stars or three stars, but mm. his food is is phenomenal. He's doing stuff as simple. It's so simple, but it's beautiful. Yeah. So he can have like three or four ingredients on a dish and it will look stunning and I'm sure it will taste stunning as well. Yeah. 100%. I'd love to go there. That's, a, that's another thing that I think you've been capturing at Anglo really well because you do strip it down, even on the menu, like I said, you don't say what it really is. You say the ingredient, but you don't say how it's done or anything like that. And I think it's, it's special because it does take it back to the ingredients. You're celebrating the ingredients and it's all seasonal. You change the menu up quite a bit. It's, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's, just, it's my first experience with that sort of food. And it's definitely one that I've been, um, 
attracted to ever since ever since I was there. Like the fermentation, everything. Mm-hmm. It really is um, not speaking about enough. I don't think. Oh, cheers. Well, yeah, we like to uh, on the menu just put if I've got carrot in there, I like to write just carrot and that's it. Yeah. Because I don't want to start having someone sat down looking at the menu for about half an hour before we even get started, just mm. so they kind of feel where we're at. But if yeah. I say there's a carrot on the menu, there's going to be yeah, on the dish. Sorry, there's going to be carrot there. But I want the diner to discover it themselves. Yeah. Instead of that's... just saying right, there's going to be carrot puree on the dish, and then you get the dish, it's got carrot puree on it. Where was yeah. the fun in that? Where was the excitement? Nothing. Mm. And then yeah. we'll add our own little twist as well, so it'll be a fermented carrot puree. It'll taste all. Even um, I think you tried when we were there. So on the we had a pre-dessert which was melon. Oh, not melon. Sorry, yeah, with um, butternut squash. Yeah, I remember this one. So we fermented it and then made a sorbet. So on the menu it just said butternut squash, but then it came as a sorbet and it was fermented. And when you ate it, it tastes like a mixture of lemon and orange and all sorts. It was crazy. I didn't stop speaking about that for weeks because it was so watching it from from butternut squash like people just oversee butternut squash as a whole really but then the what we did to it and then the final product that you get it's just so far from what you thought it would be like and it's crazy it's the same with the um the potatoes as well when we did the potato puree yeah and it's pretty much the same with everything actually thinking back to it there's so many um it should it should come back into trend like on a yeah, on a larger love, scale um, love it fermentation so much because you can have say the butternut squash and what's your first instinct as a chef with butternut squash roast it yeah exactly cut it into cubes roast it or cut it in half scoop out the seeds roast it but to ferment it and then i was i was just going to do the puree just a fermented puree yeah but then to make it into when i tasted it it tasted like orange so i mm. thought let's do a, let's do a uh, sorbet exactly it's more interesting you're doing um it's more interesting especially with the i think the is it the cheddar fudge that you've got on the new menu yeah that's that is something special you need to try that it's really good yeah i should try it, actually that's um yeah you don't see it around often that is why that's one of the main reasons why it's so interesting i've been so latched onto it um ever since i'd left because it's so there's so much more to it than just food in a restaurant there's not i haven't been or worked at a restaurant that um uses like we were using hay ice cream who what yeah. is hay ice cream no one no one would uh, no one else would think of that unless you stole it from someone um well i i started it or i had it a long time long 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 time ago in a restaurant yeah. and this was before it was a big thing but now it's Definitely a bigger thing on the on the scene since I think Tommy Banks did it yeah. in one of these generic TV programs. Hmm. And um, since then, everyone's been doing it. But I've, we did it a lot for a long time. I was actually going to open my own restaurant a couple oh, really? of years ago, which was going to be called Toasted Hay. But it was just because That's of that sick. fact. It was just that fact that one, uh, when I had it the first time, I was working this two, two rosette pub, middle of nowhere, nothing yeah. special. And then we got a Paco jet and the head chef came in and said, oh, we're going to make toasted hay ice cream. I was like, mm. what? And then I tasted it. And then from that moment on, I thought you can do so much more with food than, than just, you know, the, the norm. And going yeah. back to the fudge is a prime example. It's like, it, it's, 
it doesn't taste like cheese. That's the first thing. It yeah. doesn't taste like a like you're eating a block of cheese. It tastes like fudge. The reason the cheese is in there is to uh, kind of give it give it the t- uh, the t- the texture of fudge. Yeah. It's basically melted set cheese, so it gives you the texture. But the the crystals in a really good mature cheddar stays in there, and when you eat it, it's like a pop of um, sea salt that you would normally put on a bit of fudge anyway. Yeah. But that's something I really love is to just not to go crazy. Like, well, I suppose cheese fudge is pretty crazy, but it's when you eat it, it's relatable. And Mm. the guests will understand it as soon as they eat it. They won't think, oh, this person is just going, this chef is just going too crazy just Mm. for the point of being crazy. I like to do things differently, but they've got to make sense in the plate. Yeah, and I think they do. So uh, that's definitely working. When when we were working together, there must have been a story that stood out. And I think I know which one you're going to say. Right. And I think it involves a piping bag. <laughs> yeah. I was actually going to mention about you trying to tackle that massive cod that I got in. Oh, the whole that was a banger. I yeah, struggled. It was a struggle. I asked for, I asked for a, a cod, yeah. And I, I was like, right, I'll get a whole cod in. So you can take it apart and you know, <laughs> it'll go and taking the whole fish apart. But what I thought was a cod was going to come in, but a fucking whale came in instead. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's uh, the size of me. It's the size of me. That piping bag was something else, mate. So I asked you to make, I remember what it was, but it was... It was uh, oh, it was the um, the twigs, the oh, mushroom. Twigs. Tw- yeah. twigs, yeah. So I asked you to do a batch of that. <laughs> And then it was like your last job before you went home. So I was like, oh, yeah, you get that done, you can go home, mate, no worries. Then you put it, you were like, oh, do you want it in the fridge? Yeah, put it in the fridge. And then you left, everything was fine, went into service, got it out of the fridge, and you tied the end, but you hadn't squished it to the end, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it was just like a saggy condom of a fucking piping bag just sat on my fridge. I still don't understand how I did it. Never in my life. Uh, you, you have to. If I, I think I sent you a picture of it saying, what the fuck is this? Yeah, if you've got you a did. picture still, you need to post it. But oh, that I've was never, a... never in all my life have seen someone do that with a piping bag. <laughs> Not my finest moment, I'd have to say, but the, the cod was the size of me. I did put it on, I'd put it somewhere. It was, um, yeah, I massive. The head was about two, three kilos on its own. Yeah, it just dropped it. Hmm. It was, uh, yeah, that was pretty decent. Um, music wise. So when we were in the kitchen, we listened to some tunes, similar sort of taste. Uh, your favourite album? So my favourite album, anything really by um, Action Bronson. Yeah. I do like the Jurassic Five as well. They're pretty good. Mm-hmm. But um, anything that's pretty chilled and easy listening and kind of got a bit of a comic twist to it. Yeah. You know, someone who uh, doesn't take themselves too seriously, I kind of like to listen to. And then yeah. I like like all sorts of things. Like I'll quite happily listen. If I'm going in at four o'clock in the morning baking bread, I'm happy to listen to a bit of classical music just to chill out, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have to be relaxing, a certain so. genre. I'm pretty easy going when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, so on the uh, Action Bronson, Mr. Wonderful, I was having a little listen earlier, actually. Uh, his song with Chance the Rapper, absolute banger. I'm going to get the... Um, Baby Blue uh, by Action Bronson Finch and Trance the Rapper yeah I definitely um, Action Bronson he's fucking sick you look at him 
because when I first I first saw him and it was on YouTube and I actually thought it was a chef because it was on a fuck that's delicious episode. Yeah. And I actually thought it was a chef and I found out he was a rapper and he's actually good as well. So it was a uh, quite a discovery. And then when um when I came into Anglo, you were listening to him, it sort of rejuvenated um how much I liked him. Oh, glad I could help you out on that. I mean, yeah, he's an he's an absolute unit, but his love for food is definitely something I share. And I'm fuck that's delicious. Is again, it's a bit jovial, it's a bit fun, it's a bit of a laugh, and it's not taking him. He doesn't take himself too seriously, which I like. Yeah. And I think um, he's also a very good chef. He is a good cook. So, mm. And I find that with chefs and stuff, they're they're all about their jackets. They're all about their fancy knives and all their fancy equipment and stuff. But he he loves the pure food and the, well sometimes the dirty dirty food you know fried chicken oysters. yeah exactly um, I can relate I love his whole his whole approach to food is fucking good but his music is banging as well yeah hundred percent it's definitely um the character definitely makes you like like him a lot more I find that with quite a few people actually so it's there knowing that they're actually like a fucking cool person. It definitely makes you like their music a lot more. I had uh, actually earlier today, I was talking to one of my favorite rappers, Nick's Northwest. I was talking to him on Instagram because I've just bought his vinyl today. He just dropped it and I bought him. And he, we we're literally just having a straight up conversation about our days. And I've never had that with any other um, artist before. I had it at a festival uh, back in the day when I was younger. I was talking to Lily Allen. Uh, there's a picture of that on my Instagram. Other than that, I think the interaction between fans and famous people is not ideal, and I haven't got any time for it really. But when you get a really good, most of the time, singer or sometimes chefs, big chefs can be absolute wankers. Yeah, I had um, I was at the Michelin Awards evening two years ago, and uh, I was. I was like assigned because we were there to work, but I was assigned to like look after um, Raymond Blanc. I think it was Raymond Blanc, but he got there. He didn't fucking say a word to me the whole time. And I understand he's French, but absolute wanker. So from now on, I I hate Raymond Blanc. I mean, it's always nice to talk to someone like that you look up to. Or yeah, exactly. That's what made it work. It's good. It's good to talk to them, and when they talk to you and they you engage them properly, it's nice that you're actually talking to the human. You feel like you're talking to a human being and not a brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, alongside that, that same evening, actually, I was because um, we're there. Like we're the next. Realistically me and the people who I was doing it with are the next generation of chefs. And yeah. for him to be um, a wanker to us, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty annoying. But then on the flip side, I had Tom Kerridge. I was just minding my, my own business. I think I was handing out canapes, but he recognized me from Instagram because he liked one of my Instagram posts. I think I tagged him in it and it was fucking crazy. Like out of nowhere, I just get a tap on my shoulders, Tom Kerridge. And yeah, I start having a conversation that. with him. Yeah, and um, I remember a while ago where uh, one of my exes used to be work at his his restaurant, and yeah. I went for their. Um, I think I was the only person there that didn't actually work for them. That was at <laughs> their Christmas party. 
Yeah. And I was all a bit like a bit edgy and a bit weird thinking, ah, shit, everyone's here just to have a good time at their Christmas party and she's brought me along as a plus one. Mm. And he came over and chatted to me and made me feel so comfortable. He's, he's just like, a, you know, a human being. He's not, he's not this big two-star brand chef that everyone thinks that, you know, well, a lot of chefs actually act like, you know. Yeah, it definitely makes uh makes you view them a lot better. I've actually um my my stepdad's friend, he um was at a wedding and Tom Carriage was there and they ended up getting into a massive argument. I got told that story the other day and it was like so so far from the what I what it was like when I met him. So it was quite it was quite funny when I find out actually. That makes him seem even more real though, you know? So he's got Yeah, hundred percent. So when you were growing up, what were you like as a kid? Food-wise? Food-wise? Everything. Know, Actually, yeah, yeah, everything. I mean, everything. I was I was a little shit, to be honest. I think most chefs were just little shits. Pretty much. Didn't pay attention in class, bumped off, smoked a load of weed, drunk when I could. Mm. You know, it's nothing interested me apart from doing something that I shouldn't... If I wasn't allowed to do it, it interested me. Yeah. Um... And then I started not doing great at school and I'm not the most smartest person anyway, but yeah, I wasn't doing great at school. And then I was offered this thing to do one day a week at college, my local college when I was at school still. Yeah. And I thought, oh yeah, I'll get out of school because mm. college college hours is less than school hours. Yeah. And then I probably won't even have to go to college anyway. I'll just bunk off for a day. And then um, I was going to do uh, three courses. I think it was hairdressing, motor mechanics and catering. Nice. And I was gonna, I was gonna do mechanics because the old man's a mechanic. Yeah. And uh, I went in and said, "Yeah, I want to do mechanics." I said, "Oh, the only thing left is hairdressing or catering." I said, "I ain't gonna do hairdressing." Hmm. So I did catering. My first day of that college, absolutely loved it. Yeah. Uh, that's that's where it all came from. Is that that first day of going into going into uh, going into college? Um, probably bumped off a good couple of weeks after that first day, but. I went yeah. back again, and that's that's where it all started, really. And that's what it was like for me growing up, is that food was never really a big part, but I kind of just fell into it. Yeah. The only thing, but now I can look back and think, well, yeah, I can see that my mum would always make freshly baked cakes and stuff like that, and not every mum mm. does that. But I thought, yeah, yeah, that's just normal, doesn't doesn't interest me. She makes a nice cake, the only thing I'm going to do with it is eat it. Yeah. But since going to college and then... I mean, I didn't even finish all my three years of college either because, again, couldn't be asked. Mm. I wanted to get straight into cooking, straight yeah. into work. I mean, I don't blame you. To be fair, I'm in my third. I'm in my third year. It's pretty much it's pretty much over now. But every year, at the end of every year, I've always contemplated dropping out. And the only thing that kept me in the college, I think, was um, the fact that I'd already done a bit of it, so I might as well finish it. And yeah. Our first days must have been polar opposites. So my first day at college, um, I walked in, didn't know anyone. I was in my class and we were standing there watching one of my lecturers, Brunoir, a carrot. And out of nowhere, I just get a rush and I faint in the kitchen, just fall on the floor onto the sink. And um, then I went home straight after it. But they were all, all the lecturers were fuming at me because I used to have my nose pierced and I didn't take it out on that day. 
but I wish I still had it. I'm going to get it back when I leave and I'm going to go back to the kitchen on graduation day and tell him to fuck himself. <laughs> I should probably shouldn't say that. I'm still actually a student at the college, but I'm sure they won't listen to this. I'm going to get one of my lecturers on actually. I know um, I want to get Chef Cotton on. He's a legend, absolute legend. I'm in a rotation with him right now. And um, he's just a fucking decent bloke. Like he said, even when... Of when we, it was literally just me and him in the class because all my uh, all the rest of them had to isolate because um, someone got COVID, but I weren't there on that day. And it was literally just me and him. We were there. We get we actually listened to the same music as well. And he's like, yeah, quite a bit older. He's just like you because he has this reputation of being a scary one around the college. But when you strip it back and it's just you and him, you're having a proper decent conversation. He's an absolute legend. And it there's, is uh, that case. There's usually one lecturer that is mm. a good lecturer. You yeah. always have one that's the best out of the bunch, you know? Yeah. I, I think, I can't remember, I can't remember his name now. I remember yeah. his, na- his last name was Hickey. It was Mr. Hickey. Mm. And he was so different to all the rest of them because he was much younger. Yeah, and he'd always come. He'd always disappear at break time in the car park, and then come back, eyes glassy as fuck. Under <laughs> the uh, three years, we all realised that yeah, he was just going to have a cheeky little smoke during during his break. Legend. But, uh, he was he was an absolute legend. The rest of them were pretty uptight and a bit stuffy, but yeah, but you usually find one good one out of the bunch. Yeah, hundred percent. And stuff like because uh, we we found out we were going into lockdown and i was with him at the time and he is he had genuine sympathy for um people like like me and um people in my year because we missed out on so much but for me i weren't too fussed because um obviously being uh, a proper proper kitchen chef isn't um at the forefront of my mind but for other people that there was that for them it was their their dream to be like a proper big chef it definitely did fucking put a massive stop to it It even make them lose their passion for food i found i found i did quite a bit but it always seems to come back of us as i said last uh last episode i always seem to there i'm not sure what it is there always seems to be something that happens and then i get proper into cooking proper cooking decent stuff and I'm glad it. I'm glad it does happen. It always does, but it's not, um, not to, uh, not, to, to your ass, not to kick your ass too much. But you're you for me working with you in Anglo. You're um, you're you're a naturally talented chef, or you're or you're naturally talented at picking things up very quickly. Yeah, I mean, I don't have to. Uh, some students I've had, I've had to go over the same thing over and over again. It doesn't bother me too much because that's what it's all about and that's why they're there and that's why I'm accepting them into the kitchen and stuff. But yeah. you uh, you picked things up really quickly and really easily and you yeah. were very chilled about it, which was made my life a hundred times easier. hundred times. Like, you don't even know. Yeah. I was I was worried before you were coming in thinking <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to write out prep lists for him every day and I don't know what he's gonna what he's gonna be capable of. Is he gonna come in being this arrogant prick or Mm. Not being able to hold a fucking spoon, but yeah, you uh, you're nat- you're naturally gifted for sure. Thank you, appreciate it. As are you. So uh, 
the rest of it we can just scrap the podcast and then pretty much just start kissing now. Yeah. After after those compliments. Um, nice uh, hot water bottle and smuggle in, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What have you been doing so far, apart from the podcast? Uh, what have I been doing? I have been doing finishing off my college um, assignments. It's all the written stuff that's going out now. All the rubbish stuff that I hate doing, but we're grinding it out. Um, and I've got, I dropped the book. That was last year, and I actually get paid for that this week. So I've I thought when I dropped the book, I thought right, I'll drop it in November, have the money for December, so I can buy a Christmas presents. And then I found out that the money doesn't come in until January or the end of January. So it absolutely fucked me over big time. I ended up giving my brother and sister uh, just a chocolate bar, <laughs> oh, no. um, and I blame it on Amazon. But, um, yeah, I think I'm going to start working on turning the book into a paperback and then pushing it out maybe over summertime. But I think I just want to enjoy my summer, actually, thinking about it. I missed out on quite a bit last year. Whether it's going to be the same or not, no one knows. But um, well, You missed out your 18th birthday, like the biggest thing. Yeah, that was so shite. But... Then again, we move on. We move forward. Everyone else did. So, what? What's the? Um, there's no point in sitting around moaning about it. We just slag it off every time it comes up in a conversation, with my, like most things. But um, well, unfortunately, the, only, the, the thing that's pissing me off is that uh, yeah, I mean, you've got to talk about it and stuff. But I feel that pretty much every conversation I'm having with someone is the only thing you talk about. Yeah, and it's that getting was... real, real boring real quickly. Yeah, 100%. I was talking about that. I um, bumped into uh, one of my friend's parents the other day and it was literally, it's just the same conversation over and over that you're having yeah. with people, especially people that you haven't seen in a while. It's just like, yeah, oh, it's how like is you're at a wedding or something or someone's birthday everyone. and you're just going around the room just saying, just saying your fucking story over and over and over. It's like, I think this is the first conversation I've had since this last lockdown that isn't being solely about it, you know? Yeah. It is a, it's definitely been a breath of fresh air. Uh, even making a podcast, voicing some opinions that I've had bottled up for so long. And I think as the podcast goes along, it'll, there'll be more and more things and it'll just become more and more interesting because I imagine this won't be the only episode that we'll be doing together. Um, definitely someone I'm going to get back on in the future because I do want to have that as a reoccurring thing because you're always doing something new. And... Um, Nice to talk to, as I'm sure everyone else will agree with me. So just a nice conversation. Well, that's what we had quite a lot in the kitchen as well. Proper conversations, actually, because sometimes when I'm in the kitchen, like when I was at, um, I'll name drop again, Noble Rot. Fuck Noble Rot. Fuck um, Noble <laughs> Big time. All of them in there were just so blank. And it's like talking to a piece of cardboard. And this, especially this guy, I was doing... Um, oh, I was on starters with him and he just got me picking basil and I'm like I am here because I am from a college and I'm trying to learn why are you making me pick basil when you're over there making proper shit it's so stupid but then at the same time there was this guy there called uh, fuck I can't remember his name but he was a bit of a legend um, 
and literally he came in late like every day and he was on the meat section he comes in all he does is the meat and then just goes home and he's just a bit of a legend that's the only good thing about noble rot other than that fuck noble rot um I think that's a that's a problem with like this whole starch situation in catering, like as as a whole, is that a lot. No, I'm not saying obviously every kitchen, but a lot of yeah. kitchen they'll be like, "I'll get these kids in because it's free labour." I'll get literally these kids that in is literally it to have to to pick these herbs and stuff, not to teach them anything. But I don't want to pick these herbs, so I'm going to get someone in, not pay them anything, and pick mm. the herbs. Yeah, it's, it's so dumb. It's really bad, but I, I really enjoy teaching, especially if they're as engaging as you and they're interested. Yeah, I can tell. Even um, the stuff you're saying when we when you are actually showing me how to do things, it was more you actually enjoyed showing it, and that's what I think you said something about maybe even going into teaching in future. But it's definitely uh, it definitely came as na- as natural to you as um, listening did to me when I was there. That's that's my backup plan. Is that uh, yeah, if everything doesn't go right and I don't get the accolades or whatever, or I don't get to where I want to be. Then mm. I definitely like to think that yeah, being in a falling back and being a lecturer would be quite good. I'm not saying that it's like a, not a, a good job and something to fall back on, but it's definitely something I would be interested to later on in my career for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. That's probably the same for me as well. Eventually um teaching i do enjoy because even then it's a bit like it's a bit like cooking really it's like you get a something from the start and then you see it grow and you see it um develop so it is um it's understandable why loads of people want to get into it especially now as well however working alongside some of the people um from some colleges not my college there was a college um i did I did a competition at, I can't remember it. I might have done an episode that didn't go out. And I spoke about this competition I did um, ages ago when I was younger. And it was at the local college to me. And everyone there is just so just up their own arse. And I was thinking, a college like this, who's not very big, like goes to competitions, doesn't win anything compared to the actual like decent lecturers that I've got now it's so stupid and it's then after that after I decided I didn't want to go there because I went there for an interview and then they just like start calling you like are you going to enroll are you going to enroll just shut up just don't I just don't like my local college just take the hint yeah exactly literally couldn't uh couldn't have said it any better myself um when you were when you were younger, did you do any? Have you done any competitions actually? Like, just um, I, I did. Yeah, I did one mm. when I was at college. I did the um, I can't remember what it's called now. It begins with a W, something culinary, something like that. I don't know. I did a starter which was blue cheese, bacon, and avocado. I got a merit award for it. It was so stressful. I, I thought about this dish for weeks. Actually, got, I got there and then I thought, yeah, this is going to be a banging dish. Yeah. It took me about five minutes to put together. I didn't really cook anything apart from crisp the bacon because I didn't want to mess anything up. Mm. So the only job I had to do was crisp the bacon and just put everything else on the plate. Yeah. And I, I looked at it 
And then I looked at everyone else, and I just stood there in stage, everyone looking at me, and I'm thinking, well, I've done it. And I look at the other competitors and seeing what they're doing, and they're doing this beautiful food, and I'm thinking, yeah, no, I'm not going to do check. this again. I'm not, no, I'm not doing this again. It's just yeah. too, too unnerving. Yeah, and I now, can't fucking stand competitions. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, further on in your career, there's no need for them. Like, yeah, 100%. They're good to have, and yeah, it's good to, if you, I mean, certain competitions like the Rue Scholarship if you ever get that that makes your career you win yeah. you, you're guaranteed that you're going to get a minimum of two star, a minimum of a star you'll get two stars you're yeah. going to have your own restaurant you'll get backing all this business good move but if you're doing one that's just going to show that you, you're the best person at filleting fish in the country I don't really see the point in them well saying that that's uh, one that I've done oh really <laughs> <laughs> I've got it here actually. Hold on, let me get it. <laughs> here it is. Ah, uh, so that's why you tackled that whale so well then. Yeah, exactly. That's why I thought I'd actually beat you better than it was. Um, but yeah, even that one actually, because we went there and we were the lecturer that took us. He was all going on about how, oh yeah, we're the best college. Oh, we're gonna get golds upon golds. And then we get there and. There was a different difference in the way we did it compared to other other schools. But even then, the judges don't really look at it that much. I feel like uh, we got sort of got penalised just for going to the college because I was looking at my my filleted fish and then I went and looked at someone else's. Oh, uh, then I looked at someone else's and they were literally the exact same. And I can remember because we're like, it's like we're, programmed to when we're at college it's like we're programmed to fillet fish the amount yeah. of times we do it that and um, take apart a chicken yeah literally well i've yeah. i've got an unclaimed you're gonna show your award of taking part of chicken now <laughs> unclaimed world record for taking part of chicken i'm telling you it's definitely world record i yeah. think it's i can't remember how long it is i think it's 28 seconds i took apart a chicken and we were doing it when we were in the butchery, me and um, me and my mate Sam, we were literally just sitting there because you get so many coming in. You get like 50 chickens in a day yeah. or even in a few couple of hours. So we were just speed running them and um, 28 seconds. I think that's pretty decent. It's not bad. It's one to tell the lady, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could cut a chicken in 28 seconds. I'm sure that'll get many people into bed, especially if they're chefs. Imagine that. I should have told oh that's so poor from me I should have told um, what's his face the wanker chef that I met Raymond Blanc should have told him then he might say a word to me <laughs> I'll know that for next time should have taken your award with you <laughs> wore the medals they're only <laughs> silver as well taking a piss the person who won the gold I had a little rant about this in the uh, episode that I didn't bring out the person who won the gold theirs looked exactly the same as mine but yeah. <laughs> but it is true that is 100% true right, well think next. about it actually I, I did do a competition as well um, long time ago I worked in this tiny little island called Sark you ever heard of it? I haven't it's um, it's an island just off Guernsey it's in the middle of Guernsey and Jersey mm-hmm. um, but it's only got like 400 people on it it's a tiny yeah. little island it's like in the middle of Buffalo nowhere but anyway I worked in a little um, boutique hotel there it was one of the best on the island Mm. and uh, 
we did a Channel Islands, when I was there, I was a sous chef, and we did a Channel Islands uh, Chef of the Year competition. We entered it. So me and the head chef went over to Guernsey or Jersey, wherever it was, took part in it. Like, it may sound big-headed, but shadow of a doubt, my dishes was 100% better mm. than the people that won. Yeah. And so was my head chef's, actually. And um, and then we only when we got back a couple of days later, we, <clears throat> we realised that the only reason the people had won, or the people that had won, uh, worked at a hotel which was sponsoring the competition. That's absolute mockery. And it's like, well, yeah, that was, that was just... Uh, we were destined to... Uh, lose even mm. before we set foot on the island yeah that's poor from them what other ones have i done oh this competition i did uh at the college at the shit college so i think i was like 14 maybe 15 but i got one of the lecturers from westminster kingsway to write my menu for me just to make sure it's tip top i think that might be cheating but anyway um, so I got I got him to, <laughs> I got him to do it, and I turn up to this place, and I swear to God, I was literally against like nine year old girls, <laughs> and it was literally just me actually like cooking something good, and then little kids, and I got so embarrassed, and it was live streamed as well onto I think it was onto Facebook, and I had like all my family watching, it was just me against fucking little <laughs> children. <laughs> And I was doing my dish was uh, it was a lamb cannon and I were, it was a celeriac fondant and sweet potato puree with some sort of red wine juice. But then it's that against this little girl who's making a fish pie. Like, what is going on? That was so bad. And the worst part is I didn't win. That is the worst part. It's disgusting, isn't it? Hers was so, all of them were so bad. And also, she started, she cut herself and started crying. So, and and she won. So, uh, it's, it's typical, really. That's to dry up the tears. Yeah, exactly. The, the cash prize, she was just using it to dry up the tears. <laughs> I think it was 20 quid or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> Absolute pimping. And all I got for it, all that stress, all that. All that um, practice I put in, all I got was a whisk. I think it was probably it probably cost me more to enter than what I got out of it. And just a generic whisk, or did it have anything written on it? It was small as well. It was just a, sh- a small whisk, taking absolute liberties that was. But it was being live streamed, and um, so there's cameras on you and everything you're doing. I was getting something out the oven. I didn't use a tea towel. I just grabbed a, a pan and just screamed, "Fuck!" <laughs> and then my mom texts me. She was like, "Your nan's watching." I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> um, so I reckon that was the first time they heard me swear. But I I know my grandma watches. Um, or listens to this now. So I do, I should probably tone uh, the swear words down, but it comes naturally. This is a natural podcast, only pans. Uh, it's a place where you can talk, but big up, if grandma. You're get, if you're going to get chefs on, then you're going to get swearing. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> anyone really, especially uh, I've got a rapper coming on soon and <laughs> I'm not expecting that to be uh, kept clean, but this is a 18 plus podcast. I uh, specifically put in um, when I when you create a podcast, you have to specify whether it's going to be explicit or clean. 
So it's definitely um it's definitely explicit. And I wouldn't be uh wouldn't be allowing anyone too young to listen. It was a good shout to uh to tick that box for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Good from me. Uh even though with last week's episode I'd say the the um up to now it's been going pretty smooth and I, I preach how every episode's out of six every week, every Monday. Uh, but last Monday, um, so I, I at six I checked my phone just to check if it's up. It's not up, and I'm like, oh fuck's sake! And I have to go and reset my whole Spotify account, so it won't happen in future. Everyone, I apologise for that. It's uh, poor from me. That was a that was a fun story. Glad <laughs> <laughs> glad we got that out of the, out of the open. Yeah, I know. It's definitely, it's definitely on my chest. I just had to, had to tell someone. I had to couldn't bottle up my emotions for that long. What about what music did you listen to when you were younger? Uh, no. Probably the same, same as everyone of my age, um, like D Twelve, yeah, Eminem, uh, Cypress Hill, all that sort of lot. Bangers! I've been trying to learn uh, the rap god rap. I can't yeah. do it. I can't do it. I'm so bad. Because you look at the lyrics. I look. I didn't even bother looking at the lyrics so i just tried to listen to a song and then i looked at the lyrics it doesn't even make sense at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> spit fuming about that personally i want to want to know how to rap it i reckon i could speak fast enough getting it is a, a different thing one thing i uh, read not so long ago mm. is that eating cheese has yeah. the same chemical reaction in your head as crack really yeah that's crazy. So you, can get, you can get the reason that people get love cheese or get so addicted to cheese Correct is cheese. because it stimulates the same um, sensory in your brain that mm. makes you feel good as the same sensory as if you take crack. That's crazy. Never knew that. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Crack cheese. It's <laughs> <laughs> just munching on the cheese going, oh, it's good as crack. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we are coming up to an hour and a bit. It doesn't actually have a timer on here, so I'm not sure how long we'll be going for. But I think we're going to start to wrap it up. Uh, now, thank you for coming on. Really yeah, appreciate it. It's been, um, it's been informative. It's been interesting. We've had a good time. It's been fun, mate. I've really, really enjoyed it. And like I said, it's nice to have a conversation with someone or a friend and not, not have it all about COVID. It's been, uh, it's been, it's been refreshing. So I yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. I agree. Right. So next week's episode, I'm going to have a, another special guest. And this one's a little bit closer to home. It is my father. He's coming on. He is a, he's a DJ. I've got his vinyls actually up on my wall. Uh, Cleanophobic EP and his one that came out last year, 2020 New Sound by EP uh, by Ian Clifton. So he's going to be coming on next week. And then that is going to wrap up this week's episode of only pants thank you anthony for coming on and thank everyone stay safe stay sweet and i will see you next week oh you thought i was finished did you wrong so a uh, massive thank you to this week's and future episode sponsor revolution records especially to the main man luke cannington he's an absolute legend uh, Revolution Records is a record shop in Stevenage, Old Town, which is coming up to their third year anniversary. Throughout the whole of COVID, they've managed to keep pumping out records 
whether it's online or through social platforms. With the business looking to turn into a franchise, it's the perfect place to pick up vinyls, CDs, or even chill and have a coffee listening to some sweet, sweet tunes. And if it hasn't sold it enough already, is legendary rock artist Stephen Wilson's favourite, who's a regular there and has also just released a new album. You'd be stupid to not check it out at revolution-records.co.uk. Show them some love. Thank you. See you later.